It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on Halloween, October 31st, as we get set to preview UFC Fight Night Hall versus Silva, which will take place in the matter of about an hour here as we as we have a little bit of a shotgun start here on the preview um, from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and uh, I mean, should be a good one. Should be a good one. I mean, I guess I got to say that. Not really, though. Honestly, you know what? I'm not going to lie. Not really. I mean, <laughs> looking up and down the cards, um, not a lot of good fights. Not not a lot of good fights. There are, there are a handful. There are a handful. But, you know, again, I'm trying to be more positive, so I'm going to reserve uh, judgment, and uh, you know what I mean? Like, just because you don't know who the fighters are doesn't mean it's not going to be a, a fun and exciting fight, so that's the kind of uh, mindset I'm taking into this one. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, today is the uh, October Grand Prix Finals. Um, I'm still awaiting Reagan Hooverman's picks. Uh, I have not got them yet. I, I told him I'd like them before like 4 or 5 p.m. Um, so he, he, he definitely still could get him in on time. I mean, I, I guess I gave him enough time. Um, but if, if he can't, Captain will fill in. Captain will fill in on, on late notice. I know he, you know he got fined and all that, but you know we'll pull some strings. You know This is kind of like UFC 232 with you know, JBJ where they're moving that shit from Vegas to you know, the, the forum in Inglewood. Uh, I mean, we'll pull some strings. I mean, nobody said we're not a corrupt... Uh, you know, game. This is a very corrupt game. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And then Drew's taking on uh, Jordan um, for the uh, bronze medal. Um, should be a good one. Should be a good one. Um, obviously, a lot of pressure for me to get all these picks right because I went, uh, I think, twelve and zero. Twelve and zero had all my picks correct for uh, two fifty four. So um, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure here on. Uh, on the O-man to get all of his picks correct, but um, with that, we'll waste no time, really be, really because we can't waste any, I mean, we're 57 minutes away from the start of this, so we gotta, we gotta get this posted real quick, um, but luckily I'll blow through a lot of these, because uh, again, I mean, a lot of these don't really warrant, um, uh, you know, a, a large discussion, um, so we'll start off here in the uh, bantamweight division, this is the prelim opener, um, it's a fight here between Miles, Johns, and Kevin Natividad. Uh, Johns is 10 and 1. Natividad is uh, 9 and 1. Uh, we'll look at the odds, shark odds here for this one. They'll have uh, Miles Johns as a minus 140 favorite. Uh, and I think that's fair. Um, I believe he lost his last fight. Uh, and indeed he did. Um, he got knocked out by Mario Batista. And. Uh, you know, that's not exactly a good loss, but, you know, this is a legitimate prospect. I mean, this is one of the early guys from, uh, you know, the Contender Series that uh, a lot of people were excited about. Um, he, he does have uh, uh, three decision uh, wins 
for his last three wins, and two of them are split decisions, so that's not exactly good. But I, I do remember watching him in like that Cole Smith fight, and certainly on the Contender Series, and I remember being impressed with the guy. I don't, I don't have too much to say technically because again, you know, trying to remember all these fighters, man, I, you know, it's it's hard when you're not like ranked or or you haven't been here for years to remember everything about a guy. But um, I, I think he is a, a legitimate prospect, and you know. An early loss in, in, in your career is not going to do a whole lot against you. Um, and and I, I think he'll pick up the wind here against uh, Nati Vidad. Um, and, and that's a guy who is uh, really in the same situation as Miles Johns. Uh, they, they both came from uh, LFA. Now, Nati Vidad never went on the Contender Series. Um, but he was a late notice... Oh, no, excuse me, this is UFC debut. So he was supposed to be a late-notice fight for uh, Brian Kelleher back in September, um, but he's making his UFC debut here, and, you know, that just bodes against fighters. So, again, we're going, we'll go Miles Johns, uh, and I feel pretty safe to, to say by decision um, in this one. All right, moving on here on the prelims. Um, in the light heavyweight division, we have a matchup here between Dustin Jacoby and Justin Ledette. Jacoby is 12 and 5. Ledette is 9 and 3. We'll look at the odds. They have Jacoby as the pretty heavy uh, minus 360 favorite. Um, very interesting story with Justin uh, Dustin Jacoby. Um, he was in the UFC, I mean, like nine years ago or something. He, he was here a really long, several eras ago, really, which is impressive that he made it all the way back. Um, really good kickboxer. I think he kickboxed in, uh, in glory. Um, but he went 0-2 in the UFC. Now he's back. Um, he won on the Contender Series this year. Um, I was I was impressed with with that performance against Ty Flores. That was a really back and forth um, battle. Uh, and, and and Justin Ledet, I've never seen anything from Justin Ledet that would lead me to believe that he's you know going to present a problem for uh, Jacoby. And again, we're talking about lower level UFC light heavyweight matchups. I mean, this is not a a, a battle between top five light heavyweights. So you know, it's the it's people who are young in their UFC career, um, or or you know, uh, uh, towards those bottom rungs. And that's not a knock. You know what I mean? All rungs got to be filled. You know what I mean? And and you got to reserve the right to move people up and down. But certainly, these guys are at the bottom right now. <clears throat> Excuse me, at the bottom right now, and. Uh, you know, a, a three-fight losing streak for Ledette. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if this guy was a, a prospect at one point, but uh, has not been going his way. And albeit, you know, two of those losses are pretty fucking tough because they're to Alexander Rakic and uh, Johnny Walker. Highlight level, highlight real knockout from Johnny Walker. That was 15 seconds on a spinning back fist and nearly took his fucking head off with a soccer kick that would have DQ'd Johnny Walker if it landed. Um, and then a loss to Alexa Kamer. Um, that's the one that did it for me because Kamer's so young in his career that, you know, if there was any redeeming quality to uh, Dustin, no, Justin Ledette, God damn it. It's it's the whole uh, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje thing where the names are so similar that you just fucking trip up every other time you say it. Uh, but yeah, Ledette, he'll get smoked in this one. Jacoby, with his kickboxing, will knock him out in round number one, I predict. Alrighty, moving on here. Still on the prelims. Uh, we have a welterweight fight here between Jason Witt and Cole Williams. Witt is 17 and 6. Williams is 11 and 2. Uh, Jason Witt is actually the minus 155 favorite. Um, I have no fucking opinions whatsoever on this fight. 
I have no opinions. Uh, Witt is 33. He was a late notice fight for uh, Takashi Sato, uh, and he got knocked out very quickly, 48 seconds. Um, so, uh, you know, not not the greatest UFC debut for uh, Jason Witt, but you know, I, I don't believe this was a late notice fight. So, you know, hopefully a, a full training camp or you know whatever that means, you know, in today's times with with the Rona. But um, you know. I, I can't gauge anything when you get knocked out in 48 seconds. There's no, like, oh, I really liked his movement. No, he just got knocked the fuck out, so um, I, I have nothing to say about him. Other than his nickname is really awesome, the Vanilla Gorilla. That's a, oh, that's a fucking great nickname. One of my favorite basketball players of all time, just for nicknames alone, was Joel Prisbilla, the Vanilla Gorilla. Um, so, I mean, he's got he's to gotta earn that, though, because you can't, you can't just be some shithead with a cool nickname. Like, you can't... You can't be the vanilla gorilla and then like go 0 and 4 in the UFC. Like you gotta gotta have some fight. Um, and and Cole Williams, uh, he's 36 years old, which I mean that's pretty that's pretty interesting. That's a little up there, um, especially to be at the uh, the lower rungs here. But he made his UFC debut back in August of 2019. Uh, got choked out by uh, Claudio Silva, who's fucking really underrated. I know he just lost like a couple of weeks ago, um, but I I really like Claudio Silva. Um, yeah, and I, I got nothing to say about uh, Cole Williams. He beat uh, Charlie Brown in his fight before coming to the UFC. He beat a, a twelve and seven Charlie Brown. He also beat a guy named uh, John Poppy. So you know, a lot, to, lot to like here if you're a fan of Cole Williams. Um, if I had to have a gun pointed to my head, I don't know. I get, I guess I'll go Jason Witt. But uh, your guess is as good as mine on this one. Alrighty, moving on here. We have a middleweight fight here between Sean Strickland and Jack Marshman. Uh, Strickland is 20 and 3. Marshman is 23 and 9. Strickland is the heavy minus 370 favorite. Um, and I, I have to agree. I'm going Sean Strickland uh, on this one. Uh, he's only 29, but it, it feels like he's been in the UFC forever. I mean, mostly because he's been here since UFC 171. So, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, he's been here since he was like 22, 23. Um, you know, certainly had his ups and downs. But honestly, when, when you look at this guy's record, so he's got three losses. They are to Santiago Ponzinibbio, uh, Kamaru Usman, and Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos. Ah, that, that's pretty fucking tough. That's pretty fucking tough. The current welterweight champ, uh, the guy who I said, now he he's lost his last two fights. So I guess at a time I would say this. Um, you know, maybe like maybe like a year ago, I would have said this that Alessio Zaleski dos Santos was the most underrated fighter in the UFC because he was on like an eight-fight winning streak. Um, and Pons Nibio, I mean, you know, a lot of new fans come in. Not that I'm a fucking OG fan, but you know, I've been a fan since like 2016, so I know a little bit about Pons Nibio. But like that guy, if he ever gets healthy, that guy's the the dark horse of this division. Like we we don't fucking know what Ponzinibbio's ceiling is like he's a really really good fighter so I mean you could glance past that and just be like I don't know who that guy is but do some research he's fucking really good he's really good um but obviously injuries and he had like a fucking blood infection or something something weird like really like life-threatening uh or maybe I'm confusing him with someone else but I, I feel like it was Ponzinibbio but either way you know Strickland's really really underrated um I'm gonna pick him to win by decision here I mean, Marshman, 
I don't know. I got I got nothing to say uh, about this guy. I mean, he's lost four of his last six fights, and his two wins have came over John Phillips, and that was a split decision. And John Phillips is fucking buns. And Ryan Janes, I have no fucking idea who that guy is. So, uh, yeah, this is a guy who probably will be cut. I mean, especially with all the Contender Series guys who are being signed. Uh, I think uh, Marshman loses and uh, gets cut because there's not a lot of room for guys who uh, lose a lot of fights in the UFC. All right, moving on here in the bantamweight division. Uh, we'll have a fight here between the 11-3 Adrian Yanez and 7-2 Victor Rodriguez. We'll take a look at the odds here. They'll have Yanez as a v- incredibly heavy, minus 465 favorite. A lot of a lot of big favorites on this cards uh, on this card, and, and we'll get to an even bigger one um, later on the main card. But I don't know, like I don't doubt that Adrian Yanez is is the better fighter than Victor Rodriguez. But to have a guy making his UFC debut as the minus four sixty five favorite is a little fucking crazy. I would never put money on something like that. I mean, that's that's fucking wild. Like. I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. And Rodriguez Rodriguez is making his debut as well, but it's just, fuck, man. Sometimes it's a crapshoot when you make your debut. Um, but, you know, this was a guy who had the, I believe it's the fastest finish um, in Contender Series history with a 39-second knockout of Brady Huang, um, a, a guy who came from uh, LFA, uh, which, I mean, I don't know, man. For the longest time, it was the World Series of Fighting where you'd get a lot of guys coming up, and that was kind of like the feeder system. Um, I don't know, man. LFA is a really fucking good feeder system. I don't know what they used to be. I mean, I think they used to be RFA, but I don't know what RFA used to be before that. It's tough keeping track of all these organizations fucking changing names. But uh, the LFA is legit. It's it's fucking legit. Um, and, and, yeah, we'll pick Yanez to beat Rodriguez. To be honest, I don't know a whole ton about Rodriguez. Um, he is he is 28. Um, yeah, fuck, I, I I don't know. He fought in Alaska FC, so I don't know. Maybe he's buddies with uh, Crystal Man Jared Cannonier, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm certainly going Adrian Yanez on this one. All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner. Okay, there we go. Sorry, got uh, got confused there for a second. Yeah, the prelim headliner here. It's a uh, lightweight fight here between Alexander Hernandez and Chris Gritzmacher. Uh, Hernandez is 11-3. Gritzmacher is 14-3. We'll look at the odds here. They'll have Hernandez as the minus 420 favorite. Nice. Nice. Although not really, though. I'm not a pot smoker, so I fucking couldn't care less. Um, Yeah, this is an interesting one. Obviously, Hernandez, you know, this was a guy who was on a fucking rocket ship to, I don't want to say like to the top five, but like, I mean, if he would have won that Cowboy Cerrone fight, like we're talking about Hernandez as a, as a serious serious contender um, in, in the uh, in the deepest division um, in the UFC, and um, you know things have not gone the way of the great one lately, which is fucking hilarious. Um, and and Gritzmacher, this was the guy. Fuck, what season of the Ultimate Fighter was? I want to say he was on the season of the Ultimate Fighter that Faber and McGregor coached. Let's see if I can find that. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think that was the this, this, this season, 22. Oh, nope, shit, never mind. That was Edgar and Mendez. Not even fucking close. Um, 
But I remember him being a fucking weirdo on The Ultimate Fighter. That guy, he's a weird guy. Um, this matchup is tailor-made to get Hernandez uh, the dub, which is why I'm, I'm just going to straight-up pick Alexander Hernandez. Um, it would, Although I, I will say, Alexander Hernandez is a fucking douche, so it would be hilarious. This is one of the picks where I, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to pick what I think is correct, but I hope I'm wrong. I'm willing to I'm willing to take a loss. I'm willing to take a hit to my fucking pick percentage to be wrong on this one. I hope Gritzmacher knocks him into another fucking dimension. Um, I would say the chances of that happening are uh, minuscule. Um, there's just such a talent discrepancy here. For whatever you can say about Hernandez being a fucking douche, which, I mean, is absolutely true. Um, he's, he's, he's very talented. And uh, Gritzmacher... I don't know, man. He's been in and out in the U- of, of the UFC. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. I mean, he got lucky. He he, he got a win in his last fight um, against Joe Lozon. But this is also a guy who hasn't fought in two and a half years, I guess. Holy shit, that's scary. Two and a half years. Yeah, time fucking flies. Um, and then Hernandez. I don't know. Hernandez should be in a worse spot than he is. Because, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, so he got knocked out by uh, Donald Cerrone, and then he won a unanimous decision against Francisco Trinaldo, which is a fucking lie. He fucking lost that fight. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. You know what, I'm pulling up MMA decisions here, because I, I, I really want to see that, because I, I, I want to see what the journalists have to say about that, because he fucking lost that. And that was in his hometown. That was in his hometown, because that was the UFC Austin card. So, it, dude, if that octagon was placed anywhere else in the fucking country, in the world, he would have lost that fucking fight. We have two media members who scored it 29-28 for Hernandez, and then we have about 12 who scored it for Trinaldo, including three who scored it 30-27 for Trinaldo. Fucking ridiculous. Trinaldo got robbed. And you guys know me. I hate when people say robbed. The reason I don't go around throwing out you know, any decision I disagree with as a robbery is because when I say this was a robbery, I want it to mean something. So when I say that Hernandez fucking robbed Trinaldo, he fucking robbed him. And then he got knocked out by Drew Dober, which was hilarious. Um, but yeah, he'll win this one. And I don't know, I guess. Honestly, Chris Gritzmacher is not that good. So I'm going to go by like round two TKO, although it doesn't matter because this is not the uh, main card showdown. All right, moving on here to the main card. Uh, we'll have Bobby Green taking on Tiago Moises. Uh, Bobby Green is the minus 285 favorite. He comes in with a record of 27, 10, and 1. Moises, 13, and 4. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going with Bobby Green on this one. Uh, this I don't know what this guy's changed, but this was a guy who I would have said, like, he needs to be cut to... He's now 3-0 uh, in 2020. I mean, after that Trinaldo loss in November of 2019, he was 1-6-1 yeah, in his last eight fights. So, like, ah, it might be the end for, uh, for Bobby Green. But, you know, he's, he's only, he was only 33 at the time. He's, he's still 34 right now. But um, uh, unanimous decision victories over Guida, Venata, and uh, Alan Patrick, uh, I think he, I think he gets it done here, and I think he wins by decision. Um, he had Patrick hurt um, pretty bad in that fight. Uh, you know, a, a, a finish was a real possibility. 
Um, but I like that he's winning unanimous decisions because that, you know, like I always say, look for the fighters who constantly win decisions because that that's the most consistent thing you possibly can do. It's, it's the winning the series of moments as opposed to winning an individual moment. And uh, I, I think he probably puts it on Mo- Moises. Although Moises is dangerous. Um, he's only 25. Uh, he did that uh, IBJJF or whatever the fuck. One of those jujitsu jiu- things. He was pretty good at that from what people tell me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it hasn't really clicked for him yet um, in, the, uh, in the octagon. Although, although that win over Michael Johnson was pretty nice because I think what, he was getting his ass beat or something, and then the second round started, and he uh, ankle-picked him, ankle-locked him uh, 25 seconds into the second round. So, I don't know, maybe that is the start of a resurgence or, well, not a resurgence because he never was, you know, surged in the first place. Um, but, you know, who knows? He's dangerous, but I'm still going Bobby Green here by decision. All right, moving on here to the heavyweight division. Uh, we'll have Maurice Green taking on Greg Hardy. Uh, Greg Hardy's the minus 335 favorite. Comes in with a record of 6-2. and two. Green is 9-4. and four. And uh, I don't know, that's crazy odds. To, to, you know, honestly, I, th- I think that's pretty crazy. You know, Greg Hardy is a stand-up fighter. Um, does not have a ground game. Neither, you know, and Maurice Green has shown that he can survive on the ground against a guy like Alexi Olenek. Now, there's no fucking worry of that in this one. Greg Hardy will do fucking absolutely nothing on the ground. Um, but that's crazy. I would pick I would pick Maurice Green to win this fight. I think the odds should actually reflect that he's the favorite. Um, I mean, he he was a kickboxer in glory, so I, I think I think he's a better striker, and I think both of their ground games probably are not amazing. But uh, I would probably. I would think that Green's ground game is, is probably a little better um, if it goes down there. So, I don't know, man. The only thing that Greg Hardy has over Maurice Green is is power. But Green has the experience. He's going to have the, the better striking. And I don't know, man. And more high-level experience than Hardy. Although, I mean, you know, the Volkov fight, that's pretty high-level. But I don't know, man. And, and honestly, I might predict this fight ends in a no contest because Greg Hardy is a cheating motherfucker and uh, an awful human being. I really hope this is a fight where Greg Hardy gets fucking permanently knocked out. Uh, I've I've just been waiting for that to happen. Uh, I I cannot wait. I will, I will send out like seven tweets celebrating the fact that Greg Hardy got knocked the fuck out if he gets knocked out. I mean that would make my day. Um, I don't know if it'll happen here just because Green's not really known as a knockout artist, but um, I do think Green wins a decision here. I I, I really like him. Uh, you know, he, he's real tall, six foot seven, 82 inch reach, which is, you know, the most important part. Um, I don't know, man, that, that John Vellante fight was fucking weird. Like, I don't know, man, that, that does give me, give me a little trepidation about picking Maurice Green, but, um, I don't know. I, I really do think he wins this one and, uh, Greg Hardy. I mean, we're still waiting for Greg Hardy to have a good win. Uh, you know, I went over to Castro, Juan Adams, and Dmitry Smolyakov. Where's Where's the good win? A no contest against Sasoli and a loss to Volkov. I've seen nothing from Greg Hardy. You know, and, and Maurice Green, I think, was ranked 15 at one point, like maybe like a year ago or something. So, I mean, this is a step up in competition for Hardy, and I think he fails, and I hope he fails because he's a fucking scumbag. All right, moving on here to the featured bout. It's in the middleweight division between Kevin the Trailblazer Holland and Charlie Antiveros. 
Uh, yeah, Charlie Ontiveros. Jesus, I am not good at predicting names on the on the spot. Uh, and Kevin Holland is the biggest favorite on the card. He's the minus 800 favorite. Uh, he comes in with a record here of 19 and five. Ontiveros 11 and six. Uh, poor Kevin Holland. This guy's one of the most active fighters in the UFC, but he never can get a big name. He, I mean, outside of his UFC debut, where he, you know, got thrown in there against Tiago Santos. But fuck, he, either he's the one coming in on short notice, or or you know his opponent falls out and he fights a fucking newcomer. I mean, it's good for him because he'll keep racking up the wins. But ah man, it just kind of sucks. I I want to see him if he wins here. And I know he was supposed to take on somebody else, I think. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Muradov. Muradov. Um, he needs to fight a ranked middleweight. Now, I don't know who exactly would make sense. Well, you know, fuck it. I can pull up the, the rankings here really quickly. Obviously, you know, it's it's projecting that he'll win, which I think is fair. But, like, I don't know. Like, let's put him in there against an Ian Heinish. Number 13. That makes a lot of sense. I mean... Holland is a company guy, a fucking great striker. I would say he's a top five striker um, in the middleweight division, and uh, he's very marketable. He's very marketable. He's he's very flashy. He's really good on the mic, and uh, I think he's a good fighter. Uh, again, a little hiccup there with a split decision win over Darren Stewart, who is not a good fighter, so that's not very good. But listen, he knocked out Joaquin Buckley, who might have you know a top three knockout in UFC history. Uh, knocked out Anthony Hernandez in 39 seconds. Uh, you know, he beat uh, Di Chiricchio. He beat uh, Mearshard. He beat John Phillips. I mean, it's fucking crazy to look at how many wins he has in the last, you know, calendar, you know, two years. It's fucking crazy. And, uh, you know, lost his debut to Santos, got choked out by Brendan Allen. But outside of that, he's been perfect. And, uh, you know, I, I think with, with his... Um, with his activity and, 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 you know, just his striking, uh, I think he'll be ranked very soon, and I think he'll probably be in the top 10 very soon. Uh, the, the, only, the only thing that would go against him is just, like, stylistic matchups. I just... It's good to see that he's doing a lot of grappling uh, tournaments because uh, I, I think that's what he needs to improve. But, you know, if he, if, he, if he went up against a guy like a Vittori or a Brendan Allen, which obviously he already lost to him, or like a... Even like an Omari Akhmedov, I'd still favor, uh, you know, the Trailblazer to win that fight. But if Akhmedov takes it to the ground, I don't know, man. You're kind of in his world. Not that he's, not that he's some Khabib-like, you know, fucking mauler. But uh, I don't know. There's, there's still a lot of improvement we have to see from, from the Trailblazer. But I will definitely pick him to win this one, and I'm picking by first round knockout. All right, moving on here to the co-main event. It's a featherweight fight here, here between uh, Bryce Mitchell and Andre Feely. Mitchell is 13-0. Feely is 21-7. We look at the odds here. They will have uh, Bryce Mitchell as the slight minus 130 favorite. Uh, We look at the North Star Sports uh, UFC rankings. They will have uh, Bryce Mitchell ranked at number 15 in the featherweight division. And this should be a good one. I'm excited for this one. This, you know, again, this is, you don't have to have two highly ranked guys in your co-main event if you can get, if you can stylistically get a great matchup. And, you know, Andre Feely always brings it. Um, the, the effort is always there with, with Feely. Um, he's not a, I think there's a ceiling with Andre Feely. 
and I don't think he's a particularly talented guy. I I don't think he's a guy where we're going to be like, wow, two years from now he's ranked, you know, in the top 10. I just think, I think he's kind of a gatekeeper. You know, he could be ranked. He could not be ranked. You know, he might, you know, might be 14 one year. He might be unranked the next year. Might be 13, you know, three years from now. I think he's. I think he's a guy who's a gatekeeper to the rankings. Who's a tough out for anybody. Um, but I, I. I. I think we've seen his ceiling, which is crazy to say because he's still pretty young. Um, he's only. He only uh, just turned 30. Um, but yeah, he. He's tough. He's tough. Um, but I. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick Bryce Mitchell to win this one. Um, especially with with the camo shorts that he's gonna wear. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I think the UFC should do more things like that and I think the only reason they allowed him to wear his camo shorts is because this card fucking sucks and uh, that would get them good publicity I think if this was I think if Mitchell was scheduled to face Feely last week at 254 you don't get the camo shorts because we have enough to talk about but I think I don't know am I crazy for thinking that that's like a media creation thing from the UFC like I, I really think it is like I don't know why. Like, why give Bryce Mitchell his camo shorts? Like, I mean, I I would do it if I was, you know, running the UFC, but I would have done it, you know, way back then. Um, I don't know. It just strikes me as a little slimy, Uh, but it is cool. Um, But Mitchell's fucking good. He's really good on the ground. Um, You know, he's only uh, 26, just turned 26. Um, and, And this guy's a problem. He doesn't really get it done beautifully, but... I don't know, man. He's he's a fucking tough out, and he's on a four fight winning streak. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This, I mean, this, and you know, the thing is, he's ranked, but like, this is probably his toughest test. Like, uh, I don't know. I guess how do I put that? Like, I it, I don't know. It's weird. Like, you know, Charles Rosa, that that's a good win, but you know, Rosa was pretty inactive at the time you beat him. I mean, Sales, Moffitt, and Diamond, I mean, those are all just, you know, unranked wins you get to, you know, win before you, you, you get to be talked about in the top 15. So it's it's crazy to say that, you know, this is his toughest test, but he's the guy who's who's ranked and, and Feely's not. Uh, I think he'll get it done, because, and I suppose it's a little bit of projection on, on my part because it is his toughest test, but uh, I, I think he passes it. I do think it'll be fucking tough. It'll be fucking tough. But I think he, I think he wins it probably by submission. I don't know, second or, or third round, maybe even a, a decision. I don't know. It, it's it's tough to say, but I think he'll get it done. All right, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's Uriah Hall taking on Anderson the Spider Silva. Hall is 15 and nine. Silva is 34 and 10. Uh, Uriah Hall is the number 10 middleweight, according to North Star Sports, and the odds have Uriah Hall as the minus 230 favorite. Um, interesting odds. Honestly, interesting odds. Um, f- for my money, it's a pick em. It's a pick em. And I still honestly don't even know who I'm going to pick. I want to pick Anderson Silva. And now... We thought it was his retirement fight. That might not be entirely accurate. Um, we don't know, but Anderson Silva, he's fucking 45 years old. Like, and, and that's the tough part for Anderson Silva is he probably could still win a he probably could still win a lot of fights in the UFC when you look at like everybody who's under contract with the UFC. 
but it but it's like well you, I don't know, man. You, you clearly can't get high-level wins anymore. But can you can you beat a Uriah Hall? I guess we're gonna find out. But I don't I, I don't know, man, because he's really shown he's really shown life in his last few fights. Like obviously he's I mean what one six and one in his last eight fights. Uh, well, one one and six, comma one no contest. Either way, he's obviously losing many more fights than he's winning these days. But they're all against really tough guys. Weidman, Bisping, Cormier, Adesanya, Cannoneer. You know, a a win over Brunson, which uh, apparently uh, Brunson should have won that fight. But I don't know, man. And, like, the Adesanya fight, like, that's the moment you you really, like, band around if if you're a fan of Silva staying in the sport. Where you're like, see, like, look at how dominant... Uh, Israel Adesanya is look at how he finishes Costa and look at the performance Silva had obviously he lost but that was really close that was a great striking performance uh, you know man Anderson Silva he, he might never he might not ever be champ again but boy he still has it but then you know I mean it was a first round knockout uh, well first round injury versus Cannonier so it's not like we saw that one play out for you know the duration of the fight but like that's the thing that scares me is he's already older than fucking dirt and uh he he has not fought in 17 months (coughs) excuse me he has not fought in 17 months and he's coming off of a pretty serious leg injury i guess we i guess we never figured out what the injury was but i assume it was like a torn acl or mcl or something pretty fucking serious the way he is he was reacting when you know when he when he got finished so i don't know man i i think i'm going to go uriah hall on this one just because i don't want to be a hopeless romantic that anderson silva will will leave this sport on top it, well that's a funny way of putting it cuz obviously he's not on top but you know leave with the win you know what i mean Man, we just need Anderson to leave with a win. I think if Anderson, Anderson wins, he doesn't retire. I, I don't know if he retires even if he loses, but if he wins, I guarantee you, especially looking at you know the fact that he's still fighting at 45 with all these losses recently, I think he would go, wow, I still have it. I probably could be champ. Let me let me fight the number six guy, you know, because I beat uh, you know number 10 Uriah Hall. So I don't know, man. I, I don't think this is the last time we'll we'll see Anderson Silva fight. Um, he probably still has another another fight in the UFC because I just could not see him leaving and going to Bellator or something fucking crazy. And the UFC loves to milk stars. So, you know, as much as they'll say, like, well, BJ Penn, we're going to give you another fight, but you got to retire after this. They don't give a fuck. I mean, they'll, they, they, he's a big name. He's a big name. So doesn't matter if Anderson Silva loses fucking 15 in a row. The UFC will still have him around. And uh, I don't know. Again, I'm not going to be the hopeless romantic. Although the thing... The thing with picking Uriah Hall, which makes me fucking scared, is anytime there's expectations on Uriah Hall, he fucking shits the bed with incredibly loose diarrhea. Just like the worst the worst type of shitting the bed. Like, the type of shitting the bed where you have to get a new mattress. You know what I mean? It's not even just like, let's put the stuff in the washer. It's like, Jesus Christ, like... We got to go down to fucking Serta in tomorrow because we got to buy a new mattress. Um, I don't know, man. Like, if there were no expectations on Uriah Hall, that's when you want to pick him. But you know, he's one of the more frustrating guys to watch. 
obviously dangerous as hell, great striker. He's got good power. He can do wacky shit, but I don't know, man. I just I don't feel good about picking anybody for this main event, but fuck it. I don't know, man. I guess Uriah Hall by decision. I guess I got to make a pick. I got to make a pick, but I do not feel good about it. I really fucking don't. I really do not feel good about it. But uh, yeah, we'll go Uriah Hall by unanimous decision. Fuck it. Um, so with that, that's the end of our recap again. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN, the mailman at Owen the Mailman. Gotta check out our website with our rankings at NorthStarsports.media. Uh, you know, and, and tune into our social media channels because obviously, um, you know, in the matter of a few hours, we'll have the uh, October Grand Prix finals. Um, that'll be exciting. And you, you never know who's going to be in that finals because, you know, Reagan Hooverman has less than two hours to get me the uh, picks. Otherwise, Captain will be the one who uh, is the late replacement. So, I mean, you never, you never know. You never know. The, the the bronze medal match is solidified. I have the picks for Drew and for uh, the uh, Giordano man. But, uh, yeah, you never know. There's always drama. There's always drama, you know, in, in this type of business. So uh, it makes that exciting, keeps you on your feet. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.